welcome to No Page Unturned, the podcast where Christina, Steph, and myself, Josh, go in-depth discussing books, mainly focusing on those written by BIPOC and LGBTQ plus authors. You don't have to read along with us, but be warned, there will be spoilers ahead. This is our Booklings podcast where we talk about a single, usually short book, and today we have a special guest. Welcome to Bajaya. Uh, whose expertise in books is unmatched. She is on Potterpod. She is on Demons Are a Girl's Best Friend. And basically, she just orbits the YA universe uh, like a beautiful moon shining her light down on all of us. And today she's joined us. So thank you, Moon Bajaya friend. Hello. So the book we are talking about this week is Upright Women Wanted by Sarah, is it Gailey? Gally? It is Gailey. Gailey. Sarah Gailey. Uh, Josh, you want to tell us a little bit about Sarah Gailey? Oh, yes. Uh, Sarah Gailey is a Hugo Award winner and bestseller author, lives in uh, California. They are non-binary and they use they, them pronouns. Their debut novella, River of Teeth, which I've read, is very good was a 2018 Hugo and Nebula Award finalist. Their best-selling adult novel, uh, Magic for Liars, which you can read my review on geeklyink.com, <laughs> uh, a novel they pitched as what might happen if Veronica Mars went to Hogwarts. Fuck! It's really good. I really love that book. Uh, that was published that on in... My list right now. Yeah, I was going to say, I need to read that because I love both of those. Yeah. That was published in 2019, and their most recent novel, The Echo Wife, which Christina reviewed on GeeklyInc.com, is available now, Um, and I think this is a thing that should be pointed out more when talking about authors. They have been diagnosed with complex uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, and they said they were very interested in identity and duality and paths not taken. And uh, who they could have been if they made different choices. And I feel like in this book and a lot of our other books that I've uh, read from them, it really is like a theme that stands out a lot about identity and like who you are versus uh, who Mm. you want to be. Uh That's interesting. Interesting. Cool. Thanks, Josh. Mm. Yeah. Oh, and also on the subject of YA, this is something I just discovered uh, today. They have a why a book called When We Were Magic that uh, I definitely want to check out. And it's about a, uh, a group of six women that um, there's some kind of like magic crata- uh, catastrophe that happens. And they sort of like bond over the secret of this magic catastrophe. And I, I want to check it out. That sounds dope. I also want to uh, really just congratulate Sarah Gailey right now for really bucking the trend in novel naming. You know, it's no verb of noun, you know, it's not, you know, a, a, a thing of blank and blank. So well done, Sarah Gailey. Interesting novel titles. It's not women of upright and wantedness. Yeah. <laughs> or somebody's daughter. Let me tell yeah. you, the upright woman's daughter is also not a book that I want to read. So <laughs> good job. So Upright Women Wanted is a post-apocalyptic Western set in a sort of devastated Southern United States 
and features a main character whose name I'm blanking on right now. Uh, Esther Augustus. Thank <laughs> you. Fuck me. <laughs> so whenever you're listening to this podcast, just know that it's even it came out even later than we all read it, and we recorded it much later than we read it. So there's a lot of listen. Pandemic has wreaked havoc with our time, and yeah, what is we either we it's either no read it either. a week ago, a month ago, or a year ago, and I'm not entirely sure which one. <laughs> I read it a week ago. Okay, there that. you go. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so Esther uh, runs away from home, stows away with the librarians, and uh, goes on a, a journey of self-discovery and gunfire. <laughs> I don't know. When I when I started the book, I know that it's set in like the Old West kind of way, but in my head, where she stows away, like the town that she lived in, I thought about it like the town that um what's her name grew up in in his dark materials oh oxford sure and then <laughs> wait no. what are you talking <laughs> about the the girl what's her name lyra yes okay oxford um, yes and then instead of the old west i my brain imagined it being the Sahara. <laughs> okay, okay. Like them start trudging through it. I don't know. I mean, it's a very desertified right. uh Southwest, Old West, like even more so than it is now. So you're probably not wrong. I mean that's honestly more creative because when I when someone's like Western, I'm like, great. Saloon, boards, rattlesnakes, mm-hmm. that jangly keychain sound that <laughs> yeah. spurs are supposed <laughs> yes, to make, except they don't really wah, make that wah, sound. Wah. I was going to say, with that music in the background. Yeah. Yes. I just want to say, I was playing a lot of Red Dead Redemption 2 when I read this. <laughs> oh, nice. So that's exactly what I was picturing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is, I would argue that this book is not unlike a female-led Red Dead Redemption <laughs> I would back you up, but I have not played it. So. It's yeah, a, I mean, it, it, I can it, it, you shoot game. people. Yeah, cowboy game. Mm-hmm. But you pet a horse, too. Probably. The, the only thing I know is the meme where people really wanted to pet the horse, and I was like, well, I'd identify with that, so it seems like a good game. I when in doubt, I want to pet dog. animals in all games. That is the one you feature can- that every video game needs more of, is petting animals. You can brush the horse with, like, a horse Ooh. brush, and I'll just do that for, like, an hour. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the whole time, the, the main character is, like... And it's funny, because it, like, has different dialogue, whether you have a male or a female horse. It's like, good girl. And I'm like, Aww. I'll just do this for an hour. <laughs> I really, really love this setting, because, like, I am a sucker for, like, anything kind of, like, post-apocalyptic, but, like, I like near post apocalypse, like where it's like, you know, you can see the the remnants of our current society. Like I love that shit. I eat it up. <laughs> but I'm I like, and I'm the person that like I want to know like how you know we got there. Uh, so like, and, and we they don't focus a lot on it in the book, but like every little bit where she's just you know she's talking about how the paved roads 
you know, are all fell apart because nobody maintained them. So that's why people take horses and carts places now. And gasoline is short because the army needs to keep, you know, keep it all for the war against the heathens. And like, I love that shit. It's like, I just want to, I want to like, know. I want like a timeline of like what happened in this future world to like get to where we were. Like I, um, I like I'm the person that like goes and reads all the fucking lore in like Fallout games and stuff because like I want to know. It's probably born out of like a, a horrible desire to predict what is coming in my own life <laughs> and to know what fucking future catastrophes could be heading my way. Uh, but yeah, I love I love a post apocalypse. I really do. Actually, they add a premonition, and this is really what's coming. I would not be surprised. Honestly, climate apocalypse seems like the most likely thing right now, which it does seem like this is a good chunk of based on the descriptions of like the weather and stuff. Yeah. Um, I was going to say being like a history slash political, like government buff that I am, which is depressing. um, (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to know like what, like just like you, I wanted to know what happened that gave rise to, yeah. the authoritarian government that they live under now. Like, something drastic must have happened where they're, like, Handmaid's Tale. Yeah. Right. I think Western is the perfect, like, post-apocalyptic, uh, like, setting for this kind of thing. I think I ranted about it before on this show, about I hate post-apocalyptic fantasy, like, fantasy yes, fantasy, and then they'll be like, Oh, I found this silver bracelet, but it was a Rolex. <laughs> like where, they, where it's like where they like discover it, and then they, it's like it turns out like they go back to sword and sorcery after okay, a post-apocalypse. Okay. <laughs> but I feel like Western is very like on the nose of like going back to after a apocalypse. Like what would actually happen? Western is yeah, it's it's it's. It's almost like a parody of all of the conservative bullshit. It's like, we just want to be self-reliant mm. and manifest destiny and go in our own way and manly is John Wayne. And it's just like, well, the the Old West was not like that. <laughs> and like, mostly we just murdered a lot of yeah. people. And, and people just died of everyone. dysentery and yeah. like or no antibiotics. Being female. Yeah. So like... It's it's also a good setting for critiquing that kind of stuff because yeah. it's like oh right you know the the power trip fantasy mm. and like I like a western well enough like some of the tropes are fun kind of the same way that like medieval tropes are yeah. fun if you don't think about them too hard and you don't think they're actually historical but like once you start getting into like oh no we just want to be like the saloon people it's like you do realize like that was a terrible time for everyone. yeah the actual old west so. was fucking miserable and people burned poop to survive. Like our our vision of like you know the the Clint Eastwood Western is is a fantasy as much as King Arthur. Yeah, you yeah. don't talk about living in poop or walking through a little stream of poop. You think yeah, about it right? being there in was the no palace. plumbing, <laughs> or like them having to saw your leg off. Mm. Yeah, right. Yeah, and maybe you'd live. Mm. Yeah, they're talking about, in the book, I thought it was a good set of details where she's like, you know, 
of course we don't still have the twine from the deliveries we knitted it into sweaters mm-hmm. or like we we used it like we used all the pamphlets to burn them for warmth because we're freezing it's like oh yeah this was miserable mm-hmm. good good note moving on yeah so. it's not it's not being like crafty and living off the land it's you're trying to fucking survive yeah and it's hard in a desert yeah especially when you also have to like uh bow to like skirt wearing nonsense mm-hmm. so. it is interesting how these people that have lived in like the hard times going out west or just hard time traveling from town to town how they have learned to just live in this harsh condition like how society has developed into this from what it used to be and i can't believe Sarah Gailey included Will Smith's The Wild Wild West song. <laughs> <laughs> that was a really weird interlude. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the part with the mechanical spider was great. Oh my god. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> it's the only oh, I've not man. seen that movie. It's the only thing I know about it is that there's a giant mechanical spider. I think he oh, fuck. recently came out and said that Will, Will Smith did that he also hates that movie. <laughs> Didn't he do that instead of The Matrix, too? Instead yes. of The Matrix, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that being said, I don't know how Will Smith would have done in The Matrix. Like, maybe it would have been yeah. a Heath Ledger situation. He's a very, Will Smith's a very good actor, but like Keanu Reeves was like so perfect. That sort of like quiet, credulous, sort of odd. Yeah, I don't know if Will Smith does stoic yeah. very well. Mm. Yeah, fair. He's too animated a little bit. Or, like, you can't imagine him in that scene stopping at the word whoa. <laughs> right. You could also read a lot of emotion in his face, so it's like... Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. There's a there's a, a different dimension where Will Smith was the star of The Matrix. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the Will Smith or Canner He's podcast. <laughs> it's our side <laughs> podcast. Back to the book, though. It's funny how uh, Esther's dad, uh, Victor Augustus, he's he's only mentioned really in the beginning of this book, and I hate him so much yes. just because of like what he does and what he puts Esther through. Like, th- like it's it's definitely like a trauma situation, like throughout the book that mm. she is going through mm-hmm. and grief. Yeah, and I hate her dad. Yeah, he's for for somebody who is basically never on screen, so to say, and and I was expecting the whole time for somebody to come to get Esther, but it doesn't happen. Yeah, maybe there'll mm-hmm. be a sequel where that happens, or maybe it just won't. I don't know. But like the menace of him is ever present. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and she constantly thinks that like when she when they go into like new towns, like yeah. oh th- this wanted poster is gonna be my face, yeah. and or like. This is where my dad has sent people, and then it turns out to not be her. Yeah. yeah. Because apparently he doesn't care. Yeah, I mean, maybe he doesn't? The hatred towards um, what's not quote-unquote normal mm. maybe is like yeah. so manifested in him that he just, you know, he's written her off. Yeah, like maybe it was like, yeah, I was going to marry her off to this guy and that would have gotten me some advantages, but ultimately she was probably more trouble than she was worth. Yeah. And maybe he's not coming 
like he didn't send people after her because that means that other people will know about her like crying so Mm -hmm. then maybe people will look down upon him for having Mm -hmm. a child like that i've been watching a lot of pakistani dramas (laughs) Mm. and this is all coming out in this (laughs) (laughs) your your brain can see like all the possible twists and turns now yeah the family related things yeah there is a possibility like because he was the one to hang beatrice that he knew the truth about Esther and it then seems that way. I thought so, yeah. 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 This is basically a coming out story of someone yeah. who's been uh basically conditioned with a lot of propaganda. Yeah, I mean she that that's you know, really I would say the main villain of the story is that is is Esther's like indoctrinated feelings about herself and who she is and who she loves and like coming to terms with that. And and realizing that that's okay, like you know, one of the most powerful moments in the book is like when she kind of realizes that like these librarians are exactly who they are, and like how liberating that is. Yeah, because so doesn't she? So she tries to join. Uh, she stows away with the librarians because she thinks that they can make her not have these feelings that she thinks is not normal yeah yeah Yeah, she (laughs) she wants to be upright yeah and then she's like wait they feel the same way some of them yeah (laughs) i forget who says it (laughs) but yeah it's like right after they pull her out of the wagon they're like well i have good news for you and bad news for you (laughs) (laughs) yeah if we haven't made it clear uh esther is gay and uh her and beatrice were lovers secretly and Beatrice was hanged for having uh, both resistance pro- uh, papers and, uh, you know, being gay. Being gay. <laughs> Probably also being yeah. some kind of demon. But I think, didn't... like, does it, I think Esther assumes it was just for being gay and doesn't realize until later, like, oh, she actually did have, probably ha- really did have real propaganda and mm. was maybe going to share it with me, and maybe I would have, like, right. figured yeah. this out a lot earlier. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of guilt. There's yeah. a lot of confusion. Um, none of the characters have perfect information, which is... Yeah, and she, she's, like, good because 17? I think so. I didn't even think about yeah, how old she was the whole time. She's not an adult, I yeah. think, by any means, right? No. Not an adult, and I will say... Like, I found it, uh, I found a lot of the reactions to be, like, fairly realistic, but also kind of, like, Hollywood's, Ooh. like, buck up, sunshine. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, nobody throughout the, like, throughout the book, she's learning hard lessons, but no one is really that nice to her. Mm. Um, and that, that I did find a little frustrating. It's like, this is a, this is a profoundly traumatized young right. woman who, like, not only was her lover murdered by the state um she had a watch yeah and like keep a stoic face and, and yeah and then not yeah. react and like she ran away she right. has all these like understandably messed up feelings and nobody kind of like everyone's kind of like we just think you're useless it's yeah. like wow you can do a thing oh they don't trust um, her is like what it comes down to yeah. and i think at one point they, they think she's a spy almost mm-hmm. 
I just chalked that up to be like they are in a group, but they're also like fending for themselves. So they're going right. to try to teach her as much as they can, but like they're not like a group in the sense that I don't know, like a family together that's going to be like, yeah, if you're hurt, I'll come, I'll stay right. with you, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it wasn't that it was unrealistic. I guess it was just un- unaddressed. Yeah. I guess my expectation was like found family and it wasn't mm-hmm. that. It was like found workplace. Yeah, it definitely wasn't. I guess maybe they've yeah, become hardened by polite. their situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, I was, yeah, that was maybe like the one thing about like the romance with Psy. Is it Psy? Yeah. Is that, is that what yeah. the audiobook said? Psy. Yeah, the romance with Psy, like because you don't see like they, they're together a lot and we do get a lot of scenes with them but it's all very that like kind of like you know buck up you know here's how you do things oh you soft city girl and the 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 more like cute tender moments tend to be like kind of off screen like esther narrates yeah. about them but we don't see them i mean this is jumping ahead to what works and what doesn't sure. but I feel like this book could have benefited from like an extra, like not like a maybe a full novel, but an extra fifty to a hundred pages. Mm-hmm. Just like flesh it out a little more. Just for like little details like that, mm-hmm. it, like it feel it, some there's some parts toward like the towards the end where it feels like a little rushed. Mm-hmm. Like when they get to the you know li- the librarian headquarters, it feels like going getting from getting there to the ending was a little like at like snap out of nowhere right yeah. not out of nowhere but yeah. very like quick yeah i I think that's a, a running theme with us as readers too like at least like me josh and christina it's like we always <laughs> want more you know yeah. like i think that we talked about that in silver in the wood too is like we want more we always more. want more unfortunately for that one there is more there is more <laughs> yes and like gear breakers too right like so you know maybe there's another book coming um in this world that would be awesome but i i, I it, it can stand alone but I mean, yeah like i mean i always want more mm-hmm. it definitely feels like her story isn't done yeah side story isn't yeah, done totally. yeah i guess i just none, none of that like it's not that any of the characters have to be likable like that's a frustrating mm. like thing that gets leveled yeah. at books or like it's not like anybody has to, like, somehow magically overcome... Because all the characters have, like, deep-seated trauma. Mm-hmm. Like, they talk about some of the secrets that other people are holding. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, it's not that you have to be nice. It's just, like, maybe you could accommodate the fact that her her girlfriend got murdered, like, eight weeks ago. Yeah, and, like, they've all like, been in that traumatic scenario and probably right. wish that somebody would help them. Right. But I can also see that they like the other side of it like just like i said that they have become maybe hardened mm-hmm. by their situation that they're like well i've lost my blah blah, blah significant other or family or whatever yeah so right. and nobody was there for me so they just need to pull yeah. themselves and up. i turned out okay yeah yeah i i fend for yeah. myself i'm fine mm-hmm. um i think that i wanted more like not in depth about characters, but the characters more flushed flushed out, I guess. 
like some detail about the characters. Right, mm-hmm. I agree. Because mm-hmm. it was just kind of like skimming, barely skimming mm-hmm. the surface. Yeah, like, yeah, we, we got lots of like great outlines of everything. And like, definitely like, the the pacing of the story is pretty good you know you could like it there's there's lots going on and there's excitement and all that but uh yeah like i was like oh, i want to know more about this character i want to know more about this character i feel like besides esther uh amity was the most fleshed mm-hmm. out character yeah 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 and even then i'm like more what do you think of amity fascinating is she the one that um, stays behind and cuts up the sheriff? Yes. Okay. She's the one that was revealed to be an assassin okay. and on yeah. the wanted posters. Okay. I liked her. I I feel like this is very much like, in the sense that like, I was certainly projecting a lot of my my Western like shorthand tropes is like okay saloon boots rattlesnakes were done um some of the character choices were all like yeah we're hardened ranch wanderers cowpokes whatever um <laughs> that like it was a little hard sometimes to um buckaroo just yeah just to distinguish her two like distinguish the two librarians like they were clearly different people but like I would be a little hard pressed to genuinely tell you what their distinctions mm. were now that it's been three weeks. Yeah. Um, whereas Amity, you can you can say things about her that are immediately recognizable. Like she's kind of insouciant. She's kind of like she's got a little sophistication and a little bit of like devil may care. Like she's funny. Yeah. In a dark sort yeah. of terrible way, uh, and she's really self interested. And like those are things that like are distinct from Psy and the two librarians and all the other librarians. Yeah. Um, so that was that was really welcome. I kind of knew that she was a good character when, like, she had this tone of, like, um, what she does for the Resistance is better than what the librarians do for the Resistance. Where yeah. I was thinking, well, deprogramming people with new, like, real information is probably better than having an assassin. But then I was like, this is a good character because I didn't get that kind of tone from any of the head librarians, you know, Lisbeth and uh, Lita. And also then at the same time, Amity is like having this heart to heart with Esther about uh, grief and Esther's mm-hmm. like letting all this out. Yeah. Like I both like Amity and didn't like some of the way she was acting. But that's better than not feeling anything at all for uh, mm. Lisbeth and Lita, besides liking that they were a couple. Yeah, we, like, for a book that has a relatively intimate cast of characters, Amity and Esther have the most heart-to-hearts mm-hmm. about, of mm-hmm. any, you know, like, they have a real conversation. And mm-hmm. a lot of times with Esther and the other librarians, it's you know based around uh, activities rather than emotions i would say you know right. it's like mm-hmm. all right you're gonna chop the wood and you're gonna cook dinner no you can cook oh that's <laughs> awesome like but yeah with you know they have this especially when they're they're hauling his body out they have an actual like deep conversation and amity is really the first one to be like how are you <laughs> you don't seem good 
<laughs> and isn't she the one that actually tells her that everyone can tell that she likes Sai? Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. Everyone knows it except yeah. you. You are not a smooth criminal. <laughs> Unlike me, a very smooth criminal. I just thought that, like, going back to what Christina said, like, um, them being hard on her, uh, even though she's, like, kind of getting used to this rough and tumble life of um, traveling with the librarians, Esther did grow up with a, in a, I guess, sheltered life, with a sheltered life. Like and, a theocratic state. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. like, being the daughter of the governor. Um, and then here's, <laughs> what's her name? Amnity? Amity. Amity. Uh, she's just like casually cutting up the sheriff and right. Esther's <laughs> like, yeah. what are you doing? <laughs> oh, you know, this will bring in other buzzards and he'll be gone. It's so practical. Yeah. I was just like, she's not used to it. Like, be a little bit yeah. like, I'm gonna do this, maybe if you get sick, turn around. <laughs> yeah, like three weeks ago, like, she barely left her kitchen. Yeah. But you know the one like the reason, some some of the the harshness or the um, we don't really care if you keep upness mm-hmm. of it all didn't quite jive for me. I think because uh, Esther never complains. Mm. She's never like this is too hard. This is too much. I don't understand. She's always earnestly mm. trying to figure stuff out, and she always learns the first time someone shows her something, mm. and she's kind of like. Like, appreciate this girl a little bit. You're doing, like, your whole mission is to do this for the Esters of the world. Yeah. Um, and, like, you don't you don't have to be, like, tender, Mother Earth-loving right. people, but at least, like, don't call her a soft, coward, wilting lettuce mm-hmm. person. I don't know what they call her. They don't, they, like... <laughs> yeah, it's, it's in that vein. So, I, yeah. I think that might be... I'm not 100% sure on this. I think that might be a western trope that she's playing mm. with where the newcomer has to like prove themselves and, right. they, and the group sort of acts sort of cold to the rookie until they do and then yeah, I've yeah. seen that in other westerns and read that in other uh, books that taking western tropes but I might be wrong about that doesn't that doesn't necessarily mean it's good it's just this um, yeah no I think I think you're definitely right it's definitely like playing into that like machismo culture of like in, like extreme, like get her done right. sort of attitude. Um, yeah, maybe I just don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> there could also be an element of like don't get attached, mm-hmm. right? You know, because that, because regardless yeah, of true. whether this this girl becomes a librarian or not, she's not always going to be traveling with us, right? But then at the same time, you think you'd want to like, I guess, yeah, maybe that's it comes out like you know you want to prepare her. But it seems like they're trying to prepare her to survive, but also be ready to die. <laughs> like, they're trying yeah. to be like, do this, I'll teach you how to fight, and I'll teach you how to shoot guns. But, you know, you're probably not going to do it because you can't do anything, so you're probably going to die. Yeah. Goodbye. Yeah, but, but I think... The the casualness and the not wanting to get attached makes a lot of sense. Um, but just because it makes sense doesn't mean that you have to like it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
I yeah, I don't. I how do I draw this distinction? Like, I don't object on on philosophical grounds. I just kind of object on like character grounds. It's right. like, all right, but like she's she's trying. Let's uh, yeah. let's get some emotional development here. <laughs> Narr- narratively speaking like you can one mm-hmm. of you can be a dick to her but maybe the other one could like draw out some emotional connections yes yeah. which amity eventually mm. ends up showing up and doing so i mean like maybe we're just waiting for that and it's just maybe that's kind of like the point too is like the person who shows you like emotional softness and kindness is still not necessarily a good person mm. right like your dad was probably nice to you when you did exactly what he wanted mm. like so, it's not like softness is the only way to be kind to mm-hmm. a person. And I, I get that. Like, that's not a bad lesson for a book to have, but this is... Right. It, it also seemed a little over over much. For Am- From Amity's perspective, Esther is not, like, her burden. She has, like, a separation from her that maybe yeah. the librarians yeah. don't. Like, I feel like may- they feel a responsibility towards her, and they kind of resent that a little bit, maybe. I don't know. There's a lot of ways you could take it, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. And the ambiguity, I think, could have been fleshed out maybe a little more. Um, but it's also interesting, because it's like, well, you you stay closed in these situations. They're dangerous, and there's a lot of... I will say, the action sequences are really mm-hmm. good. Sarah Gilly mm-hmm. is really good at writing action, at writing not just fights, but like the tension leading up to the fight and then the aftermath of the fight, yeah. like, all of it is, like, perfectly smooth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No one can see- I make hand motions all the time and no one can see them. I recognize <laughs> that this is a podcast. Can, I just am a little them. Italian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. She can't help it. It's in her blood. And the action <laughs> scenes also, like, play with the themes of the book. Like, my favorite scene in the book is when Esther gets the gun from that guy and he's doing, he's like, he has his hands up and he's doing that speech about, you don't want to shoot me. And he's like trying to play into, you know, the propaganda that mm-hmm. she's been conditioned you're, with. You're a he's sweet, like, innocent you, woman. You're a sweetheart. Yeah. You are not like these other people. And that's yeah. when Esther discovers, like, within herself, she's like, I am like these other yeah. people. And then kills him. Yeah, it's good. That, yeah, that's good. This is a good moment. fuck yeah moment. Because it's also like, it's also not like you're not like the other girls, yeah. like nice the, girl. the backhanded flattery. Yeah. Oh, and he and he tells her like this is definitely a like I've seen you know you, we've seen it the last year with it in like uh, with protests and stuff like that where the the cop is like oh I won't tell them about you Ugh, and then yeah and then you know you know he's lying <laughs> he's he's gonna <laughs> tell them about her. But he's right. trying to, you know, uh, negotiate her out of shooting him. Yeah. ASAB, all sheriffs are bastards. <laughs> um, Certainly all the ones in this book. Still relevant. <laughs> I mean, still will be relevant. How do you talk about yeah. a post Always relevant. Future, but also Always past. been true. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> what is, okay, what is, because I didn't find this very clear. What is the librarian's main job? It's just to like their cover job. Like actual librarians, like, or 
the ones no no in in the book like yeah. is it just to uh, take the uh, materials from that the government provides right. them yeah. and i guess distribute it, propaganda yeah. yeah yeah and then is there their like what they actually do is it mostly smuggling people to what is it utah is that the resistance area mm-hmm. yeah it sounds like it's it's smuggling people materials they're collecting stuff because what is it like at the end esther is like oh you have lights on and antibiotics and and hot water like how do you have all this and it's because people in the i guess occupied territories like donate and so i think the librarians like collect the donations and bring it to the resistance and i think i i got the sense maybe i didn't read this clearly enough also but like it was a little bit 1984 like the government was deliberately depriving everyone in the territories that so like I see that. of fuel yeah. and stuff to yeah. keep them like focused on the war right. like who was the war with was we don't it with know. the resistance that's the thing yeah. is that we don't or was it like we don't know almost foreigners? anything about the world outside of you know this sort of like southern theocracy mm-hmm. and then utah like what's happening in canada What's going on in Europe? Asia? Like, is this like a Handmaid's Tale situation where only the States is fucked up? Or is it something else? And that could be both good and bad. It's yeah. bad for us because we're, we're details people. But like some people, yeah. I've, ha- I've had this discussion with other like people, how they take in their fiction. I want to know everything. Some people don't want to know everything. It's like, just, it's almost like a, it doesn't make leaving that stuff out good or bad right. it's just more of a what is how you what's your opinion on it yeah. i guess mm-hmm. yeah sorry my cat is going <laughs> no, okay. my cat is going crazy right now i Waffles. just told my mom that she never gets on the dresser and guess where she is right now. <laughs> so she heard you say that <laughs> yeah, hold on. and she was I'll like fuck you here. mom i'm getting up here uh, I was going to say maybe the government is not at war with anyone because how mm. best way to control some, like, a population is through fear. In, right. Mm-hmm. And the other, like, the fear of the otherness. Like, I'm, we're protecting you. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah, we're making great strides against the enemy, so we need all of your food and water and... No gasoline for you unless you hate the country and love the enemy. Communist pagans. The bad people. Who are the bad people? You know, the others. Don't ask questions. You know who loves questions? The enemy. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you say that, but like the number of questions that some little kids ask and just be like, (laughs) the enemy loves questions. Shut up. For fuck's sake, shut up. This is definitely a book that I would be interested to read, but someone who had, say, like an evangelical background mm. that is now had that has now come out, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. what how they would feel about this book because I feel like a lot of the things that Esther goes through internally has that same kind yeah. of flavor. Yeah, yeah. Esther's internal journey is like. Like, so they're going through, like, a post-apocalyptic, like, futuristic Western landscape, and, like, her internal journey is just as interesting. Oh, yeah. That's, it's it's the really highlight impressive. of the book for me. Yeah. yeah. Like, her, her interiority is, like, 
richer than the entire world and the world is like really well developed and thoughtful and complex and so like this is really like esther's book Mm -hmm. and that was like i don't know if there was ever a choice in it but it was the right one so yeah it's interesting josh you were talking about how sarah gailey likes to talk about trauma in their work and yeah i mean this this is a book about trauma Mm -hmm. this is a book about like navigating uh, that what you are is a a thing that people are at all. That it's okay to that me. what happened to you was wrong, and 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 that it's okay to feel and be the way you are. Like that's like I mean yeah. Like this would be honestly like a a great book to give to like somebody who had maybe like just come out or like well maybe not because maybe it would be too real. But like yeah, somebody who is like trying to navigate that stage in their life. Uh, I think this could this could be potentially like a really good book for them because like I having not been in that scenario myself I still really I felt I felt like that anguish and that that pain. Mm-hmm. Her taking this journey to get away mm-hmm. from who she actually is and then finding out oh there are other people. I, yeah, that's why I wanted um kind of a little bit more about is it. Uh, the couple that Beatrix, Lita, and Lita. Yeah, I wanted her to find out more about them, like mm-hmm. how they navigated things, so it would help her more. Yeah, yeah, because they're they're around mm-hmm. and they're like they talk about how everybody just understands that they're a couple and they're yeah. cuddled up together next to the fire, but like she never talks to them about, hey, no. what's this like? And then the right, ending yeah. basically writes them out of the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I found very surprising, actually. Maybe they just wanted to wrap it up, get a clean end, like, not sure if they're going to write more in the world? I think, because, uh, uh, I don't remember if it's Lita or Bet that tells Sai and Esther to give it a year. Right. I feel like it started mm-hmm. after that year. That's like, dope. one year like later. That. I was going to say, or maybe she picked not to go so much into their like story about getting together and blah 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 because she wanted to make it seem normal like it's normal for the librarians and it's normal for the people that are around them and to see them so they like Sarah didn't want to delve too much into like how they got together and figured out themselves Mm-hmm. Right, etc. Yeah, like can we get a a Lisbeth and Lita prequel? <laughs> yeah. You know, but like the fall of America and it's just I, I feel like I don't know anything about them. Yeah, like how do these people both end up working for the resistance and a su- sort of this whatever government, like this theocratic government? Like how do, how do they infiltrate? Yeah. Oh, that's a good point because they would have to be like given. The librarian job from yeah, and like are all librarians resistance agents or is it just them? Oh, that's a good. That would be a good twist, right? Like, there's there's definitely a lot of meat left in this world, and and I hope that Sarah Kaylee comes back to it. But like, if they don't, I mean, you know, I can I can live. You know, it's certainly a, a like a, a reasonably complete story. So, the yeah, this arc of Esther's life, yeah feels like tied up yeah um even though it's not like tied up and cut off like it's not a done 
little yeah. bow on it. You could definitely like do a time skip. Like yeah. next book doesn't need to pick up next day kind of thing. It would even be interesting if uh, they did like a book or short prequels from the other character's yeah. point of view. Like I would be yeah, interested in learning more about Amity and how she, she sees mm. the world. Yeah, even the, the two girls who want to go farm goats. <laughs> you know? Oh, I forgot about that. I felt <laughs> very, very strongly like that seemed great. Yeah. <laughs> Especially in, like, well, this world, which seems fucking miserable. I was like, that sounds lovely. You'd have cheese all the time? Like, yeah. Goats are cute. I hate goats, and that sounds great. Why do you hate goats? Goats are fucking terrifying. They're awful and they scream like children and I hate that they make delicious cheese because it's like the only <laughs> redeeming thing about them. But like, have you ever like just been around somewhere where goats are just scream? It sounds like children being murdered and they have ter- terrifying rectangular pupils oh, and they yeah. poop cubes and they are- there's a reason that they are associated with the fucking devil. The first time I ever got my dad to laugh at an internet video is the like the painting the, goes. screaming the collection goats. of goats screaming oh. like people. Yeah, I people send me those videos all the time and just to fuck with me, and I dislike it immensely. No, it's great. Just like ah! <laughs> it's terrifying. Uh. <laughs> I was like on this island one time. We're just like having this lovely stroll down the road, and we had been to the beach, and I just hear in the distance. Ah! <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. It was so fun. Goats are really screaming today. Yeah. Um, they are good. Like they like lawn mowers. Oh, they are like the most useful animal on the planet, and it's infuriating for me because like they're actually like pretty good for almost anything because you can get like food and wool and like milk and they yeah they'll like get rid of like your lawn like there's a it calgary has a herd of goats that they use to like trim grass and stuff Mm -hmm. like it's it's infuriating how useful they are because i hate them goat meat is delicious (laughs) i actually had some goat meat for lunch today it is Uh, that i don't mind because then it's i get to you know there's a dead goat involved so (laughs) but if the meat's like "Ah!" i get to prove my dominance by eating them as humans it's also a good excuse to get to off a phone call. It's like, sorry, I gotta go. Someone's screaming outside. <laughs> See, so useful. Yeah. Goat hater. You feel about goats the way I feel about rabbits. Oh. Like, they're cute, but also my now husband... They fuck a lot. Well, Percy didn't. He refused oh. to, in fact. But he pooped all over the apartment despite being quote-unquote trained. Mm. And he ate leather goods. Oh. Anything within six inches of the floor, he would eat. Power cords. He had no sense of self-preservation. <laughs> he was just a little shit. And I mean that literally and metaphorically. And so, like, that entire year when my bags and shoes got gnawed on, I was just like, you know what's great? Rabbit. It's delicious. <laughs> it is good. It is good. Yeah. And it's, like, rabbit meat is one of the most sustainable. Because, like... They're not big, like they're not yeah. pooping a lot. Right. They only eat grass, like shitty little twerps. Um, I they think, multiply like crazy. I think maybe you had a broken rabbit. Oh, we definitely. I, I also had a monster of a rabbit when I was a child. I loved it because I was a stupid child. 
but yeah, they they will fucking devour things. Yeah. I love Percy. Like, it it didn't translate into being mean to right. the rabbit. It was just like, philosophically, now I'm against rabbits. <laughs> they they a are a monstrous in their own special <laughs> I way. I know that they so ate everything. It's, it's like, it's Ugh. less eating and more like they just have this n- desire to gnaw. Like, they need mm, to gnaw. chew yeah, things. Yeah, because their teeth never yeah. stop going. Yeah, they're like beavers. Anyway. All this is to say, <laughs> anyway, Sarah Gailey. Anyway, go <laughs> farming. I, w- I really want that for those those two characters. Like, I want them to be happy yeah. in Utah, farming mm-hmm. goats. Like, it's fucked that Utah is like paradise of this world because Utah is uh, a terrifying uh, religious theocracy now. <laughs> but yeah, it's not good. Mm-hmm. I feel like I need to add like a strong animal opinion. I don't. I don't have one. <laughs> Uh, um, that's the most fucking long island thing i think you've ever said josh like the idea that like you're just not around a lot of animals enough to form an opinion of them uh fuck japanese beetles (laughs) there you go there you go they They get your pool they invade every summer i would not eat them they have like a weird shine to them that Mm. i don't like beetles are weird beetles are weird Back to Sarah Gailey. Um, <laughs> do we know where the where they started? I know they're headed to Utah, but like where around where they started? Arizona, I think somewhere in the south, right. middle to I south. I think it was Arizona. Arizona. Yeah, because okay. her hometown is uh, I don't know if it's a real town. It's called Valor, Arizona. Okay. The, she, Some, the, someone Google Maps. I'm, that. I'm, I'm, I'm doing it. Uh, Sarah Gailey did do a really good job in like tapping into that well of like evangelical like Puritan names like yes. Esther yeah. and Beatrix and yeah Valor Arizona like yeah that was like that instantly sets a vibe which it was very isn't, good. isn't there one town that's just like size just like it's just called the town like it doesn't yeah, have a name that was funny that was good Valor is not a real place at least not in Arizona. It sounds like it'd be a real place. There's a Valor Prep Academy. There is. So I would be <laughs> willing to bet that Valor is Phoenix. Because, yeah, there's a Valor Prep, a Valor IT, and a Valor Global. Mm-hmm. And it's also... Is the Phoenix the capital Arizona? What a great question that all the Americans on the call can't answer. Uh, oh, no, I think it's Tucson. Based on mm. what Google is telling. It's never the city you think it is. Listen, State once capital. I got through elementary school, I was never taught geography again. So <laughs> yeah, I forgot true. all that stuff. Mine says yeah. Boston's the capital. Is Mine it? says that at Phoenix. Least. Okay, so maybe I Is don't know. Yeah. Right. Well, I don't fucking know. Doesn't matter. Anyways, yeah, I would be willing to bet that Valor is Phoenix. Yeah, uh, it's, you know, it's Arizona. Somewhere in Arizona. And, like, it makes me wonder, like, what's north of Utah? You know, is it just like unclaimed land? Is it, you know, maybe whatever this seeming climate apocalypse has killed off like a large portion of the world. Like maybe there aren't a lot of societies outside of what we see here. But I mean, I don't think in real life there's much above Utah, though. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah, it's hard to say because it's... Speaking as someone who is above Utah. 
<laughs> There's not much between me and Utah. You asked us what's above Utah stuff. We don't know. No. We're Americans. <laughs> There's ten people there. So I hope they're okay. I will say on Sarah Gailey is that I would not rule a sequel out because they only started writing around 2015, 2016. Their first novella got published in 2017 and they've put out a book every year wow. since. So, so they're a sequel yeah. to this is not out of the realm yeah. of possibility. That's wild. It's wild when you hear about people who only started doing a thing like in the last even like 10 years and they're you know? just like i'm gonna take off yeah and sarah gayla's over there and they're just like do 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 i'm gonna put a book out every oh, year and the best part is that it was partially like the way it came off in the interview is that it was partially out of spite because they gave their <laughs> first short fiction to a friend who was a writer and she worked in like uh i think it was she worked in like theater and when she gave it to their friend, their friend who was a writer said, maybe you should stick to what you're good at. And then they said they didn't write for six months. And then Aww. after the six months have been writing ah. ever since. Well, Fuck yeah. Them. Yeah. Hey, I think we've talked about this before. Don't underestimate the power of spite. <laughs> it is a powerful motivator. I was going to say, maybe someone needs to tell me that I'm not good at something. It's not going to be like, I'll show you. <laughs> I could never. I don't have the power of spite. I would just be like, you're probably right. That that could that. be like a service, though. You know, like, for $20, I'll tell you you're bad at something. Just so to, to motivate you. Yeah, the only problem is it right. has to hit you at the right time. That's the thing, right? It's like very yeah. surgical. And it has to be the right person. Because yeah. it can't be someone you deeply... It has to be something you're willing to give the finger yeah. to as much as you love them. Yeah, I mean, like, look at Esther, right? Like, Esther's, like, getting treated like crap by all these librarians. And she's just like, I'm gonna be good! And then <laughs> when she goes to the town by herself, and I'm just like, this is the worst fucking idea in the world. This is such a bad idea. And I thought that was where, I like... I thought that was gonna end so <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah. oh, she's gonna yeah. get kidnapped... Like, she's going to have to escape or they're going to rescue her or something. And it, it did go in a totally different direction, which was great. Like, it, it subverted my expectations, which was awesome. Like, that sequence where she goes to the town is so stressful. That was when I thought her her dad was going to come up again. Yeah, right? Yeah, because, like, what is it? They give the, the, the little wanted slip, which I love. It's, like, a lovely little piece of the world, right? The, the wanted slip is, like, the size of a playing card. And it's it's just like she she describes it as being almost on tissue paper. Like you get this real sense that like they don't have a lot of resources, and it, and it turns out it's Amity, <laughs> a twist. Because up until then, Amity is just like you know part of this triad who wants to go farm goats and helped her get rid of a body. But like that's not unusual, I think, in Esther's new world, and she doesn't necessarily think about it. Yeah, I like that. Esther's proven out in the end, not just to not be a spy, but to be, like, the most helpful yeah. part of the contingent, whereas, like, Amity is actively putting them in danger, yeah. and, you know, there's there's a lot of moral grayness there, but because she went to the town, Esther kind of saves everybody. Yeah, yeah, totally. It is really interesting to me, too, the way that Amity and the librarians work for the same person or the same mm -hmm. source, but don't know about it. 
Which makes sense, right? If you're running like a covert resistance yeah. operation, you don't mm-hmm. want people to know about each other. But yeah, the the right. bit where um, I think Alita and, and Lisbeth are like, all right, you're out of here. And Amity is, what is the name? It's like, it's uh, Archangel or what is it? Is it Gideon? The Whoever sent, I forget what it is. Um, but yeah, she was like, oh, I was sent by so-and-so. Uh, and I'm pretty sure they sent you too, so we're staying okay. together. But I mean, like you said, that they're all working towards the resistance and they know that, or for the resistance and they know that, and you would think that they would be kind of free to tell each other what they're doing, like what their roles are. Yeah. I I understand wanting to be compartmentalized, though. Yeah. This is why I think an extra 50 to 100 pages would have added little details like that. Yeah, because, yeah, it kind of just, like, in that that ending bit, you know, it's like, oh, they get to Utah, and then it's like, bam, 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 all this stuff happens, and all of a sudden, Lisbeth and or yeah, Lisbeth and Lita have been made, and they can't do it anymore, now size the head librarian, and Amity's around, and, like, it's, like, it does, yeah, it, it does make me feel like there's going to be another book, because, like, there's just so much set up, almost, in that last mm-hmm. chapter. It's, mm. like, where, where she came from, her journey to who she is now, but there's so much more to what is she gonna do. Esther, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, this is, this is the end of phase one. It's not that she's just, like, in Utah, and isn't she, like, co-head librarian or something? Yeah, I think she's the, the apprentice librarian under Psy. Yeah. Yeah, officially, official librarian. Which, like, smooching your boss, it's a bad idea. (laughs) But, I mean, it can't, like, because of the resistance and, like, the authoritarian government being against each other, it would be great if there was a sequel because you can see, mm-hmm. like, where the... where it goes. Like... Yeah. I totally forgot that Amity used Esther as a hostage. At mm-hmm. one point. Oh, I didn't. <laughs> I loved that yeah, scene. I that's probably that the best like... scene in the book, honestly. There's a, like, I know I said it 20 minutes ago, but like, they really write tension very well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Sarah Gailey, like, really good at, like, writing emotions and stress and and all that. Like, you definitely see where they're pulling from in terms of, like, yeah, I, yeah, like, I, I had no idea about uh, the thing about, like, you know, they're pulling, uh, like, from their experience with PTSD. Mm-hmm. And now that I know that, it's like, oh, my God, it makes so much sense now why they're able to write just with such, like, accuracy. Like, they, they, like you, they really, like, make me feel yeah. it in this very real accuracy way. And, like, and it's, awareness. It's really well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because they're pulling from real life. Um, I was going to say, Sarah really sets up the scenes, like, of the tension and stuff, but also very good at spatial, like, um, description. Mm. I agree. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I can picture it real well. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they really get, like, the desolateness of everything out really well. Especially when it comes to, like, the... I guess uh, the fights and stuff, you can, it helps in trying to picture it. She, like, like the desolate, the 
desert, desert, <laughs> desert, and um, the, I don't know, the emptiness of it all kind of builds into the tension of the situation. And I really like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, yeah, like that, that scene with the, the, the guy that, um, that Esther ends up taking the gun from, like, it's, uh, they describe the, like, where exactly the gun is on his hip and how Esther scrambles to get it and mm-hmm. he's scrambling for it at the same time and then how he backs away with his hands up and uh, Esther is, like, trying to, you know, cock the gun. Like, it's, like, all very, like, yeah. I can picture it exactly yeah. in my head yeah. as the, like... I don't have to. I don't have to do any work to picture it. Like, it's... yeah, like very good with like an efficiency of words, almost too. Like they really mm-hmm. do set a scene well, you know, using not a huge amount of description. Yeah, like not there's not paragraphs and paragraphs of of dis- yeah, describing. Yeah, I'm so grateful for that. I can't stand that. I was gonna say also, <laughs> like we've been talking about, uh, we would like for it to have 50 to 100 more pages or maybe a sequel or a prequel but the fact that they could write this story and get across descriptively and so beautifully like the internal struggles and everything uh, without like even if there wasn't a sequel or prequel the fact that they could write this book without them but still, like, succeed is awesome. Because I could not. But yeah. then I could, I could also yeah. probably not write this book, so. I, as, historically, I could not write any books. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Based on statistics. Yeah. Oh, zero know. books to my name so far. Haven't tried, yeah. really. Uh so there's that. I don't hate yeah. myself enough to want to try to write a book as Josh. Josh and Christina can speak to that, I'm sure. But Oh, <laughs> my only remaining goal for the year that I keep procrastinating by being like, I put my story in this other anthology is I'm gonna write a book. I mean you you just got published like three yeah. times. Like that's pretty fucking good. Right. Yeah. Thank you. I'm happy about it, but also it's it's a form of elaborate procrastination. It, it, it's like when you write a paper to avoid doing your math. It, it it reminds me a lot of like stand up comedy, where it's like I don't have enough fucked up self loathing to write a book. Just like I could never be a stand up comic. <laughs> so you have to be a little bit broken. Stand up comedy. Oh my god! I actually find writing fiction easier than writing the reviews for the books. That's good. It's like. It's easier for me to like hyper focus on mm. fiction, mm. where I have to like think about the book a lot when, and right. then I get distracted easily. But I have ADHD, so that's different. Oh yeah, that'll do it. So, what else about the book? Anyways, <laughs> anyway, uh, do we want to get into a, what didn't work and yeah, what worked? Yeah, let's talk about what didn't work. Uh, Lita and Lisbeth are kind of one dimensional. Yeah. Yep. Uh, they're. I would like a little bit more uh, details about some of the settings and like the political yeah. climate, I guess. And then the ending felt a little rushed to me, like the transition from um, Psy becoming head librarian and uh, Esther becoming apprentice librarian really quickly. Mm-hmm. Like the, the meeting with Galahad 
which is Galahad. The, there we go. And like I, that's the only thing that don't really work for me. Yeah, I, I agree with all that. That that is it for me as well. Yeah, so. I definitely would have appreciated flushing the some of the characters out. I mean, you could argue that it's an Esther uh, narrated book, but I mean, I read other ones right. where it's narrated by one person or focuses on one person, but you find out more about other characters through their lenses. But yeah, mm-hmm. it's just like I just wanted more. Like we said earlier, get yeah. us more. Yeah, and, that's the, and like I want like the listeners to understand is like we don't talk about books that we didn't like. Like right. anything you hear yes. about in this show is a book that we really enjoyed. But you know, part of it is talking about the things that could have been better, things that we, yeah. Anyways, yeah, and and we are the people who always want more. Yeah, that might be a good like motto under the crest that we also haven't designed <laughs> yeah. yet. We are the people who always want more. Yeah, can we get I that in Latin? have to figure out how to say it in Latin. Yeah, or Christina can translate into some other crazy dead language for us. Oh, Harry knows Latin. There That's you go. Funny. Yeah. There's a reason that I married him, and it's that we don't speak any of the same dead languages. <laughs> I was going to say, even though uh, we want more, um, and this book was really good, or, well, like, even though we want more, the fact that she kind of delves into the emotional part okay. of, um, or emotional in like the uh, traumatic stuff about coming out and everything, um, in such a short book because the book is very short. It's commendable because mm. you you feel all the feelings. It, yeah, we just true. wanted more feelings. Yeah. That like it, yeah, I think. Yeah, we should probably clarify to the readers, like, this is a very yeah. short book. Like, it is basically yeah. a novella. Yeah, it is... 12 chapters. Le- I mean, it's less than 200 pages. It's, yeah. it's um... Yeah, it's 12 chapters. Yeah, and it was like 200 ebook In pages. In audiobook, it's only yeah. three hours, I think. Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. How, how was the audiobook? That was good. But I listened to everything at 1.3... Okay. Me too. Um, so everybody sounds like they're like really hopped up on caffeine. Yes. You don't notice it after a while. <laughs> that, that's why I listen to podcasts. Yeah, and like that's you, yeah, I it's just too. like it sounds normal. It just sounds like everybody's had a lot of coffee, and then if you go back to one time speed, it's no, like, so everybody slow. is speaking very slowly. And uh, what worked about this book? Esther, like basically everything about Esther, yep. her internal conflict, her external conflict. I don't know. I just thought Esther was yep. a great character. Great. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. She is. I, and I think we're we're being a little bit hard on like specifically on uh, Elizabeth and Lita because Esther is so fully fleshed. Yes. yes. There's so much complexity there that it's it's not that Lita is a bad character, but you just kind of want to understand her as a human, not as a an extension of the profession of librarian. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking as a librarian, I'm not just a librarian; <laughs> I do more. Um, no one thinks Shut that. up and I'm put away the books. <laughs> well, I mean, like Esther's whole journey of um, thinking the world is one way. 
and mm. then discovering the world is another way is very mm-hmm. relatable, especially now of since the last four years um, and counting in America. Mm. Uh, <sighs> but yeah, I, I, I like Esther mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah, she's fantastic. I like Amity too, even though yeah. like I feel like she down talks. Um, like I forget exactly what she says. Her job is on a higher scale than mm-hmm. the librarians, and I'm like, don't talk about. Yeah, I think she she views herself as like the person who takes action, right? Like, yeah, or the person who takes the big risks. Yes, and therefore, yes. Whereas the librarians yeah. are just running around collecting things, and yeah, yeah. Um, the I think we talked. We the action sequences also very good. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I think the the bad guys are. You never want to praise someone's bad guys too much, but like they're, uh, as Steph was saying in the beginning, or was it Josh? As someone was saying, like her father, uh, Esther's father is a terror, but everyone's a terror. Even the, the guard who's like flirting with her in the town is very, very menacing Mm -hmm. and that it's all done really well. It's very realistic. Like those people absolutely exist in this world and we know them. I yeah. was going back to watching a lot of Pakistani dramas. My mom gets like really into it. And I was telling her the other day that if you come to hate the person or the character, the person playing the villain, they must be doing a good job. Yeah, so totally. It kind of like translates into this book also. Yep. Yeah, that's, that's a better mm-hmm. way of putting it than my meanders <laughs> <laughs> i mean yeah I mean, like overall it was it's a great book it's super fun quick read uh but lots of emotion i would recommend it i would recommend uh sarah gailey's other books mm. i want to uh, read the um what's the one harry potter and Veronica Mars. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. It's very good. It's called Magic for Liars. Okay. Uh, I read it in 2019. I put yeah. it on my like best of 2019 list. I feel like it combines my love for crime, like true crime and fantasy. And why yeah. book. Yeah, totally. There's some family yeah. drama in it too mm-hmm. that's like Veronica Mars mm-hmm. that's really good. Mm-hmm. Dope. Christina, what do you think of The Echo Wife? That was very, like, the Echo Wife was, it's just destined to be prestige TV on HBO or something. It's, like, very pretty, or not pretty little liars. Big Little Lies. Okay. Those are very different (laughs) shows. Yes, Um, as you were describing it, I was like, oh, so it's Big Little Lies season two, (laughs) but fantasy. Yeah, Yeah. it's Big Little Lies, but with clones. And, like, yeah, and, like, this, this cold as ice like calculating main character who's just phenomenal she's like she's so smart and capable and vicious and it's just like it's a pleasure pleasure to read like female characters who aren't like one dimensional nice. so yeah uh, the echo wife has the rights to an echo wife movie have oh. been purchased by annapurna which sounds familiar yeah uh apparently it was in a competitive situation I am not surprised. So yeah, we might see that on the screen at some point. It's also very short. So if you have the attention span of a goldfish like nice. I do right now and have for the past year, 
it's like 230 pages or something yeah like they're they're very good at writing like short like like effective novels it feels like i haven't read the sequel but uh their first novella river of teeth uh imagine if the main transportation uh that people used were instead of horses hippos and yeah. uh, the main setting instead of the wild west was like a bayou Ooh. and you basically have that of river teeth oh. and it's very fun and like the hip like the hippos are characters in themselves just like like a like a horse with a name in a western would be it's it's really good that sounds rad i recommend it. they seem like they're really into kind of taking tropes and diving into them and inverting them a bit I can see that, yeah, from what I've read, which hasn't been told. Annapurna has, um, which is a mountain in the Himalayas in Nepal, um, but they have produced a lot of good movies slash Oscar winners. Booksmart, American Hustle, Zero Dark Thirty, um, Sorry to Bother You, which I love, The Master, blah, blah, blah. All right, that sounds good. Okay, yeah, yeah this is yeah. The I would say the Echo Wife is is very much in that vein. Cool. All right. Nice. Good for yeah. good for them. Yes, yeah, they're right? in good hands. Yeah. yeah, like please give Sarah Gailey all of the rights money so that they can just like keep writing. <laughs> like whether the movie yeah. happens or not, I don't care as long as like Sarah Gailey gets enough cash to keep working <laughs> as a writer take that friend out to dinner and be like, bitch, I told you I could. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Look at this movie I got. Yeah. This Hugo Award. Yeah, fuck you. I got out of my lane and I'm good. <laughs> I just want to see them do the the same thing that um, Bong Joon-ho did with the making the Oscars kiss. Aww. Like, yeah, Aww. bitch. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, wait, how many Hugos have they won? Can they make their Hugos kiss? I don't know. Do Hugo's have I think faces? it was two. One, I think it's one, one. One, and then they... They were nominated yeah. for a bunch of others. Nominated? All right. Okay. Give Sarah Gailey That's another enough. Hugo so they can smooch. There we go. Yeah. I think they won a Nebula Award, too. So nice. the Nebula Award yeah, and the Hugo yeah. Kiss. And now that we're done anthropomorphizing awards that we don't have, <laughs> what is what is everybody reading? Um, I am actually not reading anything right now. I've been catching up on shows that I've been meaning to watch. Um, but I do have Megan, who's our quiz master on Your Wizard Harry. Um, she sent me a couple of books. Like the, what's her name? Philippa Gregory's. Mm, oh, uh, nice. Uh, and then Good she, trash. She sent me something about a, I can't remember the name of the book, but it's basically about a real life black widow. Who Dope. I think married seven dudes that mysteriously died, and then I have the first two books from June that I need to read. Sweet, maybe maybe just read the first one and then see how you feel. Okay, <laughs> that's what I did. I just read the first one. <laughs> well, it belongs to my friend, um, and it seemed like it took her forever to read it. Yeah, fair. the first book, and I think the first Dune is good, and then yeah. it goes down yeah. now. I don't know. I'll put it this way. 
I know a lot of giant nerds, and I don't know anyone who's read books two through anything. They've only ever read the first one, so. Is it 12 books? Oh, it's like 40, because somebody else filled in when he died. I got one in the mail to review. It's like, I don't have time to read 40 other Oh my god, there's so many Doom books not written by the author. So I was already kind of iffy about reading it, because my friend that uh, let me borrow it said, it's real slow at multiple points. Um, but then she got really into it around page like 100. But now that I know that there are 40 of them. <laughs> Jesus Christ. There but is, like yeah. 39 of them are optional. You know? <laughs> okay. Right. Yeah. yeah. You only really have to read two. Yeah. I probably will do that because that's, yeah. that's too much. That's too much. That's a lot. Yeah. And like reading Dune is yeah. like. It's interesting in a, like, almost historical context of, like, understanding, like, oh, this is a very influential book. And by reading it, you know, you you catch Dune references in things, but, like, you don't need to read it. Okay. It's, it's interesting, and it's interesting as a piece of, like, almost science fiction history at this point. But, like, it's not – it's a very different book than, than modern books. Okay. It's like reading Lord of the Rings. Like, Lord of the Rings is not written in a way that a modern book would be. Okay. There's big worms. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Also, OG big worm in desert trope. Yeah. I shall give it a try. Also, yeah, if you don't like it, like, watch. The movie is going to be very Hollywood. It's going to focus. It's going to pick out all the action sequences and all of the salient, like, lore. But the book and Frank Herbert were really, really obsessed, which I am also, so I really like Dune, with religion and political okay. history. It's yeah, just kind yeah. Of like, yeah, that's true. There's a lot of politics. There's so much politics. Yeah. And that's like, that's his jam. And so, like, if you don't like that part, like, that's fine. Yeah. You might like it. But yeah, don't don't expect it yeah, to be like the HBO It's, it's my not dad's favorite book. book and yeah. I read it because it was his favorite book. And when I when I asked him, "Hey, should I read the sequels?" He said, "No." <laughs> just, yeah. just read the first book. You're good enough. Yeah. Okay. You're good. Yeah, and or yeah, just watch the movie because everybody in it is super hot. So I don't think Tim- Timothy Chalamet is hot though. He's like traditionally attractive. Like I'm not personally like, yeah, that's my jam. But like, I recognize the fact yeah. that like he's traditionally attractive. Steph, what are you reading? Um, I am reading, what am I reading right now? I am reading uh, The Bands of Mourning by Brandon Sanderson, because I've been rereading the uh, second Mistborn trilogy, which I thought the new book came out in a few months, but it turns out it doesn't come out for another year, which is whatever. Uh, And then I'm also reading Paladin's Grace by T. Kingfisher. Oh my god. Excellent. Yeah, it's really good, because the sequel, or the third one, just came out. And Christina was like, you need to read this. And I was like, okay, twist my arm, why don't you? Getting me to read a T. <laughs> Kingfisher book. Uh, but it's really good. Like, I, I know we've talked about T. Kingfisher a lot on this show, but awesome books. Like, every single one of them just love, like, from the second. It's just, like, very easy to read, and it's fun, but there's also, like, spooky and dark moments and emotions mm. and it's it's just very well balanced writing it's it's great yeah i am going to have to read it but i, I think you would really like some of her books because she's like 
she talks about like the third book has some some she gets really real about uh police unions and police brutality hmm. in a fantasy world but also there's like adorable gay kissing and hmm. And it happens to be in a dungeon, like an actual dungeon, <laughs> not a sex dungeon. Yeah. And it's always funny. Like, and she's really good at infusing humor into her books. Yeah. yeah. Um, I would. It's s- such a relief. Yeah. So I would say if anybody wants to start with her, um, if you want a horror novel, you should read The Twisted Ones. And if you want a fantasy okay. novel, you should read uh, A Wizard's Guide to Defensive Baking. That's what I was going to ask. Like, what was Yeah, the, yeah I would say if, if you were to start with any of them, I would say start with A Wizard's Guide to Defensive Baking because it is fun and it is, like, complete. Like, it is a very, like, like standalone story and it's really interesting and different and it's it's great. Yeah. I like the cover of the gingerbread man being mad with a yeah. sword, so. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, basically, it's about a girl whose magical powers extend to baking. And how she saves a city. Yeah. So it's great. Highly recommend. Yeah, Josh, what are you reading right now? I'm reading uh, our next book, uh, The Name of All Things by Jen Lyons. Uh, It's probably my favorite of the series, I think. Maybe the the fourth will supersede it when I read it again. Uh, But I'm also reading... The Seven and a Half Deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle oh, by yeah, Stuart that? Turton. That was very good. Yeah, basically, uh, this guy, um, he's like, possesses a different guest at this big, like, fancy party. And Evelyn Hardcastle is this woman that dies every day. And he eventually, like, possesses each guest. And he's trying to... If, like the beginning he his memory has memory loss and then he's like trying to discover how Evelyn gets murdered through the different possessions of different oh. guests while while also trying to figure out what is going on with him and possessing these different people and uh I like That's it a really lot. That's interesting. It is really good that one thing I will say about that book is don't do what I did where it's like kind of your like casual before bed read. It is like it, there's a lot going on and there's a lot of time skipping and traveling and stuff. Yes. So like it's definitely the kind of book to read like when you have your wits about you to a certain degree because I got so lost so many times, which is not to say that I didn't like get the ending and stuff, but like if you really want to appreciate all that is going on there because it is like an incredibly written story, uh yeah, definitely like make sure you can devote a certain amount of energy to it. Because it's well worth it. The audiobook is also very good. Hmm, okay. the, like the, good I'm actually reading. I'm basically like reading it, the, the hardcover for the first time. The first time I went through it was only the audiobook. And then I decided, like, I loved it so much that I bought the book. And now I'm reading, actually reading the book. Nice. Christina, what are you reading? I am... I'm reading two books that are both about, like, horrible little gremlin girls, and I love them both so much. That sounds great. The first is, so, like, very recently, Naomi Novik's second book uh, in the Schoolamance trilogy. Vijaya, you might like this. It's, like, dark Harry Potter. They're all trapped in the school, um, and the school constantly is, like, basically trying to eat them. Um, And it's about this girl who, like, from her birth, she is foretold as this, like, 
evil queen, like necromancer, nightmare sorceress. Um, and but her mother is like this saint, and she's like, you know, like I won't, I won't destroy my daughter. Like I'm just gonna raise her to be a good person, and we'll see what happens. Um, and so she she reluctantly and very much in spite of herself becomes a very good person. <laughs> it's she's horrible and she hates everyone and she's just adorable. Um, mm. The other one is Little Thieves by Margaret Owen. It's about it's the story where the um, the servant takes the uh, princess's place and I don't remember this groom's fairy tale that well, but it's um, it's about the servant who like through some magic is able to present herself as her mistress and then just starts stealing from all the nobles and, and is just like, I'm going to take everything from you and then run away where no one can find me. It's like, oh, I love you. So it's a, it's a novelization of you. the excellent classic movie, The Princess Switch. <laughs> and it's also about Christmas. <laughs> no, not that, but. More, is maybe, it like the know, prince maybe. and the pauper? Yeah, yeah. Um, mm. No, it's more like she deliberately oh. like usurps her mistress's place, identity so theft, fantasy style. Yeah, basically. It's um, dark prince and the pauper. <laughs> <laughs> Mark Terry Potter was an identity did. thief. <laughs> the only version of prince and the pauper I know involves Mickey Mouse. That's a pretty good one. I was going to say Wishbone, so... Oh, I don't know either of those versions. I just remember <laughs> the version I read. <laughs> well, I'm saying I didn't read the book, so mm. you're oh. Just remember the dog ones. Anyway. So, yeah, right. both both really good. They sound good. Mm-hmm. I love they... I love little gremlins. <laughs> just horrible little wretched children. <laughs> Vijaya, thank you for joining us. Yes, yes thank, thank you for you. being our first guest. For... Yay! Woo! Everyone else after me is going to be terrible. That's right. Yes, it's... it'll be. We'll or call I'm it the Vijaya curse. Yeah, you'll yeah. have to come back to lift it. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Mm-hmm. I have this thing about like I'm trying to um, broaden my horizon in because I tend to like watch the same shows that I like. It's a thing about like people that have anxiety because you take comfort in what you know gives you pleasure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I read the same books and I watch the same movies and TV shows, so I'm trying to like get away from that. So, um, I mean, I wouldn't have picked this up if you all hadn't picked it, so now it's giving me more more of a push to read more. I mean, there is no shame in things. staying in your media comfort zone. I also do that. Yeah, well, I'm trying to like branch out on yeah. that too. I totally understand that. I love re reading oh, yeah. stuff. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. But I think like a lot of like one thing that I think I've really realized doing this with you guys is like there's a lot of really good short books out there. Like I think mm-hmm. you, uh, people think of reading a book as like a really big commitment. But, like there's a lot of really good short fiction out these days. Like this book was 200 pages. Yeah. Okay, wait. Yeah. Before we end, Bajaya, what is your like main comfort book? Yeah, that's a good question. The Harry Potter, the Potter series, <laughs> the Harry Potter series. Yeah. Okay, um, not unexpected, but yes, good choice. Sir. Yeah, yeah. What about you all? Mine is Mistborn, which I'm currently rereading. <laughs> yeah, 
look, it's been a fucking year. And then it was another year on top yeah, of that. Right? So. And it's like, it's just like, it's great. And I know the plot and it doesn't stress me out, but it's still interesting. It's like, yes, gave me delicious. I, when I was a kid, um, my sister right above me, um, Lini, and I used to read and reread, um, these books by this British author. Her name was Enid Blyton. Oh, okay. And recently, in Tintin, but, um, recently, not recently, like, maybe ten years ago, we found some of her books, I think, on eBay or something, or bought, and bought it, and we were both like, these books are racist and sexist? Oh, no! Because <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. the villains in a couple of her series, like, so she has series where it's like uh, kids who s- solve mysteries, and then another, a couple of series that are like uh, kids in like all-girls boarding schools, and most of the people in the uh, mystery series are the villains are definitely like gypsies or darker people. Oh, no. <laughs> <sighs> I mean, I just looked but her I up do. and she's dead now, so that's good. Yeah, I mean, she's old. Yeah. What about you, Josh? Uh, it used to be Lord of the Rings. I used mm. to read it every year, wow. but uh, that's a big commitment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I've I've read it so many times that even like the slow parts, I can like read through okay. really fast. Oh, but, okay. but recently, it's been um, this book by Joe Abercrombie called mm. "Best Served Cold," and mm. uh, it's about uh, it's a fantasy book. A woman is like um, a mercenary, and her like noble that she's been working for for many years uh, kills her brother and then uh, attempts to kill her by throwing her out of the side of a building. And she like manages to like barely survive. And then the whole rest of the book is like her like revenge uh, story. And it's broken up into four regions of that uh, nation. And it's like, it's brutal, but it's also like, like, Oh yeah, the bad guy gets their comeuppance, and it's like fun. I think that would be very satisfying mm. to read this year. It, it, I can't imagine why. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially the, that's why I've been reading it the last four years. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good. What about you, Christina? I mean, there are books that I go back to, but like the ultimate comfort for me is actually just Calvin and Hobbes. Oh. Like oh, those are the books. One. Those are the books that I like will take with me when I'm into bed when I'm sick or like at Christmas break. It's just like, so yeah. I don't know if that's like ultra highbrow or ultra lowbrow. I think that's that's perfect brow. It's the perfect amount of brow. Okay. Yeah, that brow is on fleek. (sighs) Literally the only time anyone will say that about (laughs) my face or choices. Bajaya, where can people find you on the internet? Um, they can find me on Twitter at Ethnic Ninja. And if you like Harry Potter, you can find me at PotterPod on Twitter. And our podcast is named Your Wizard Harry. Steph, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Steph O'Kingston. And all the other stuff I do is also there. So find it, you <laughs> cowards. <laughs> 
you can find me at Girl. Uh, also, uh, all of us have written reviews for Geekly Inc., so check out the geeklyinc.com site uh, for all of your reading recommendations, this podcast, mm-hmm. other book podcasts, other podcasts at all, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, and just a generally good time. Josh, what about you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, and hopefully by the time this comes out, uh, regularly on Twitch at Ooh. 4 of 5 Wits. Yeah, I'm trying okay. to get my Twitch situation figured out. Nice. Okay. Nice. Okay. Probably by the time this comes out, I would I would argue that that's a, that's a fair. Yeah, yeah you I don't might, even have to I rush. I might do it for a week and then be like, <laughs> okay. oh, really and then I'll just edit it out. So yeah. <laughs> Thank you for listening to No Page Unturned, part of the Geekly Inc. podcast family. If you like the show, please show us some love with a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at No Page Podcast. The show is edited by me, Steph Kingston. Our amazing theme music is by Bad Sparrow, and you can check them out at Bad Sparrow Music. And our cover art is by Chango Chimango, who you can check out on Instagram and Twitter at Chango Chimango.